With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey everybody, it's Weird Islanders, the podcast, back once again. My name is Dan, with me always is my friend Mike. What's going on, Mike? Not too much. Uh, this is uh, going to be a fun kind of two-parter here. Um, as, it, you know, it, I think the more we've been doing these these Weird Islander episodes, and, you know, we're, we're, we're closing in on, what, 20 now, and mm. the more... I realize how much kind of there's like a path into Rick DiPietro and then a path out of Rick DiPietro in this era, Yeah, you know, between like the late nineties and then to the, you know, around 2010, like it's, and this one is, is part of it, you know, it's very DiPietro tangential, I guess. I don't know how to say it, but uh, you'll, you'll understand what I mean. And and when we get to the the conversation, when we reveal the, the Islanders, but um yeah, it's just it. It's funny how much of this part of Islanders history DiPietro kind of just looms over. Yeah. Uh, and 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 when when you told me who our who our guest was picking, shockingly, my first thought was, you know, with these these two guys were basically just keeping a seat warm for Rick. Like that was the first <laughs> thing I thought. So there's there's a, a lot to get to with both these guys, and and it did did kind of just, um, you know lead into the Rick era. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, that part didn't even, even as I read through the articles and stuff that we sent around, that part didn't even occur to me, but you're right. Like he's just sort of like the, the sun around which this Islanders, many <laughs> Islanders teams sort of revolve. You know, yeah, a lot of weird own, Islanders revolving around. Yeah, and a lot of weird Islanders on those planets. Yeah. If every planet, if every season is a different planet, there's a lot of weird islanders on those planets, and Rick is the center of all of them. But let's um, <laughs> l- let's explore that and other many other topics uh, with our guest, who uh, is a returning guest. We had so much fun the first time that uh, we brought him back, and uh, you remember, may you may remember him from uh, such conversations as Sergey Nemchinov last season on Weird Islanders, the podcast, and it's Nick Gillia. Nick, what's going on? Not too much, guys. I do regret to inform you that there are going to be a lot fewer conversations about poetry or booze cruises this time. So anybody who needs to sign off right now, I'm really sorry. That's all right. I think we'll cover a lot more topics uh, than just that. But uh, yeah, because we have two guys to cover here. And uh, and it's funny because uh, 
as soon as basically as soon as we logged off from the last time, the last time was just you and me, right? As soon as we were done with the conversation, you were like, I want to do this guy. And I was like, actually, I was kind of thinking about pairing him up with this other guy. And you were like, oh, no, that, that's a cool idea. So that's how this came about. And uh, I was I'm excited to to get back into these guys, because like Mike said, it's such a weird era. Rick is there, but also these guys have stories of their own that we get to explore. So if you will, Nick Gillia, will you please reveal the twin subjects of tonight's episode of Weird Islanders, the podcast? Two goalies you probably don't remember were Islanders, John Van Beesbrook and Chris Terreri. I'm so excited because I love firsts. And this is the first time in Weird Islanders history. And again, we're getting to that point. Just as an aside, by the way, I saw a thing the other day that um, most po- 90% of podcasts uh, don't go beyond the third episode. Like that's kind of a statistic. Like most of them kind of peter out after three episodes because, you know, people get bored or they haven't found an audience or anything like that. They don't know what to do anymore. This is now the second podcast that Mike and I have had that has reached well beyond <laughs> three episodes. One is well over 200 and well is, you know, like the other one is kind of closing in on, on 20. So I'm like, I don't know. We've, we found our thing here, I guess. Uh, Congratulations, guys! Yeah. And, and, and you didn't even you didn't even have to move to L.A. to do it. I That's think, right. You know, I, I listened to another podcast that the joke was when you landed LAX, they uh, hand you uh, directions to the Uber lot and a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nope, no, no L.A. and uh, no Patreon. But in any event, uh, this is uh, yeah. So this I'm excited for this episode because these two guys were traded for each other. So, like, that's a first two as far as Weird Islanders go. And that that's a rare thing to have, like, two guys traded for each other. And both of them definitely fit within the Weird Islanders criteria. So, Van Breesbrook was the one that that you wanted to bring up. And uh, and so, what is it about Van Breesbrook that made you want to talk about him as a Weird Islander? Because you're right. I don't think most people remember that he was an Islander for a very short time. And we'll get to why in a few minutes. But what was it about Van Breesbrook? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just that... Obviously, it wasn't as bad this past year, but I feel like the 2000-2001 season was the first year that it really felt like the Islanders might have been coming out of the doldrums, Mm -hmm. and they acquired some of these really legitimate players, Mm -hmm. and... But the, uh, for lack of a better term, the culture of losing was still there. (laughs) And so, I mean, Van Beesbrook (laughs) was just, he was, I mean, he's a, apparently a terrible human being now at USA hockey, but we don't have to go into that. (laughs) But Van Beesbrook really, he represented the promise of a new day with the Islanders. And, uh, it turns out he was just finished. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's I feel like it's just another one of the many lines of of false promises, because there were that much like last year, you know, after two straight trips to the conference final, we're thinking this team could really you know do something. They were right on the cusp of it for two straight years and then they fall on their faces here. You know, it was a lot of optimism around that team. I remember Charles Wong and Sanjay Kumar were owners for the first full season they were bringing in some of these legitimate players and obviously Charles Wong had his own quirks that Van Beesbrook enters into, but that's, that's a lot of what this was is that it seemed like that was the year that the team was really going to turn the corner. Uh, and instead it was ended up being possibly the worst team out of that entire <laughs> series of bad Islander teams. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the most disappointing. I remember, so I was, 10 like 9 10 when or 10 and 11 when when the season's going on and um this the the 2001 2002 team is is the team that i credit with turning me into a fan Mm -hmm. and i do wonder just if if that season hadn't had those magical moments you know if i would be here talking to you right now because this i remember going through this this season and, and this is about the time of your you know life as a fan 10 or 11 you kind of understand like what winning and losing is and what the stakes are at a game and just you know what the goal is and um i remember going to games and watching whether it was beezer i'm pretty sure i was at a game where chris terreri played um i'm I'm like i'm i I remember like bill muckalt's name for like getting yelled like people yelling at him in the stands and stuff and being like i don't know if i don't know if this is a good thing like i feel like this team is really bad and i don't know if i should stick around and obviously the 2001 2002 team made it a little different and 
but I do remember like the, like you said, there was like some, the, the buzz. I remember Newsday, um, like the front or the back page of, of Newsday a lot during this era too. And like Charles Wong and Sanjay Kumar were all always on the front, uh, on the cover, you know, handing a Jersey to another player that they brought <laughs> in and, um, and being like, Oh, I like the Islanders. Maybe they are getting good. And, and, and then like the disappointment, like was so palpable in the stands and as even as a kid, like feeling that and being and, and like knowing that okay, I I love Marius Tchaikovsky as a as a fan. Like I'm I'm rooting for him. He's one of my favorite players on this team. But the team is itself is terrible. And a name like Van v, Van Beesbrook and the nickname Beezer. And I remember because that that Florida Panthers team he went to the Stanley Cup with. He had yeah that mask that yeah. that was just so cool. And and I, so he was one of the first NHL players that like I remember remembering and, and like knowing like oh that's john van beesbrook he's a great goalie so when the islanders got him you know it's it's obviously nabokov's a much better person but it, it's an osgood too like i like i felt the same way kind of about those two guys um and then i did with like van beesbrook thing like this guy like he's he's really good and he's an islander now like that's pretty cool yeah. uh and then of course yeah, yeah did not work out i remember because i mean i I, I know, you know, I talked about this on Lighthouse Hockey, and it's pretty well known that my uncle is the one who who really made me an Islander fan, one of my mom's brothers. And he actually lived downstairs from us when I was growing up. I was 15 the summer before uh, before that season started. And there were there was this optimism. I remember seeing the news. I think he was traded from Philly for a fifth round pick. Yes. And it's also funny. I think this is also the moment some people remember that Van Beesbrook was a flyer in addition to (laughs) an Islander. But he, but I remember running downstairs and one of, one of my uncle's friends was there too, also a big Islander fan. I remember telling them that, you know, Hey, we got a goalie Van Beesbrook and we all high fived. We thought this was a really good thing, (laughs) but it turned out that that season just started off with some bad, bad mojo. Yeah. I mean, my the two things that really stick out in my mind here. First one, do you guys remember what happened when Roman Hammerlick got acquired? I mean, no, really? I don't. But I, the I, Islanders, I, I, so the Islanders, I remember this with such like vivid clarity, and I don't know why. The Islanders trade for Hammerlick over that summer, and Hammerlick. I mean, no one, no one who was a fan at that time needs to remember how great Roman Hammerlick was. And they apparently found him in the Czech Republic to tell him he got traded. And his response was, but I want to make the playoffs. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> to the point that it was so bad that they made him do an interview with the Islanders website. I th- I do remember some kind of strife about this. Now that you, you bring it up. I do remember that, a little bit like this. Yeah. That like, like, and that's what I mean by like same old Islanders or the culture of losing or anything else, you know, Milbury makes a trade for a legitimate player. And I mean, I don't remember, I don't even remember they gave up all that much Mm. to get him. Uh, Eric and Josh Green. That's right. That's right. It was quite a bit, but he was a premier player back then. Yeah, he was was the first overall pick. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually funny. I mean, I just did a Google and I just called up a New York Post article Dated uh, June 26, 2000. No holiday for Roman. Hammerlick not happy about being traded for the <laughs> Islanders. Yeah, his, so this, his this actual, back memory actual now, quote yeah. here is, it's kind of hard coming to the worst team in the league. Yeah, now I got You're you. You're telling us, Roman. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, that. hey, try rooting for them, Roman. Yeah. Okay? Right, right. I mean, he ends up having a, a great season for them yeah. and, and a great stint, uh, you know, as a, in a career. He, I guess, you know, we did that reluctant Euros. Um episode last year talking about guys who originally didn't want to come and did uh with Nabokov and Viznovsky and a bunch of other players and uh Zednik and and I guess you know we could have added Roman Hammerlick although he's not really a weird islander he's an island legend so so it's a little tough but (laughs) yeah um, he he, I I just he was in his prime too he was 26 when the islanders got him I mean yeah you look at this team too it's just like everybody who 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 like whose name you'll you'll recognize like that guy's in his prime. That guy's in his prime. That guy's in, like you know. You're you're talking about a, a top four basically of um, Kenny Johnson, Roman Hammerlick, Zdeno Chara, and I guess you can throw. I guess Kevin Haller would be the other guy you'd throw in there. Yeah. Or, you know Eric Cairns or whatever. But like you look at that team, you're like yeah, they they should 
that that team should be racking up like 98 points in this this, this <laughs> NHL and they just didn't even come close. No. Absolutely. It's it's funny you mentioned Kevin Holler because now I'm also remembering 2000 in August was the only time I've ever been to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I took the train with my uncle. Do not recommend taking the train <laughs> from New York to Toronto. Oh my God. Don't do it. But, and I remember we were having breakfast at some place and it was literally me and my uncle and the same friend from that story earlier, his same friend from the story earlier. And, you know, we'd mentioned to the, I guess the waiter at the restaurant that we were Islander fans. And his first response is, Hey, you guys got Kevin Holler. <laughs> it's my, and, Kevin Holler my Kevin Holler memory is that he, he was the guy who got hurt for, for yes. Radic Martinez to take over. Yes. <laughs> and, and I was in my grandpa's uh, house at his kitchen and, and re- remember reading like one of those, you know, at the end of like a Newsday article about the Islanders game, like a, there'll be like those footnotes at the end. And yeah. it was just like Radic Martinez made, is going to make his debut because yeah. Kevin Holler's hurt. And that's, 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 yeah, that's where Radic came. That's funny. Uh, Islanders legend Radic Martinez, thanks right. to possible weird Islander Kevin Holler. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the other, but yeah, I mean, that was before we all, knew how horrendous Toronto was. Yeah. Uh, I just thought it was kind of cool that people actually cared about hockey at the time. I mean, where else are you going to find people that know who the hell Kevin Holler is? Like, that's uh, probably Montreal. Yeah. Montreal, because I think he won the cup with that Habs team in uh, in 93, if I remember properly. But, you know, the other thing that I remember from that year is there was this whole thing. Van Beesbrook is the reason that Chara and Brad Isbister played that season. How so? Because this was the first year. So Charles Wong comes in and he's got this hardcore business mind, I guess. So his thing was qualifying offers 10% over your salary. Great. That's your offer. Take it or leave it. Right. Yeah. Chara and Ispister weren't signed at the start. I do remember Chara not signing. Yeah. And that was when Wong said, fine, you're locked out for the season. Right. And and I think the only person who ever actually suffered from that was uh, Sean Bergenheim. Yes. Yes. But Mr. Mr. Phantom March and April hot streak himself. <laughs> but we, but I, and I remember like apparently Van Beesbrook led a delegation of veterans to go into Wong and say, you can't do this. You need to sign them. Yeah. <laughs> like putting their jerseys down. This is for his mister. <laughs> like, could, you, could you like, I can't even. Yeah. Between all of these things, you know, there's all this optimism around the team. And then, you know, Van Beesbrook has to beg them to sign right. Chara and Isbister. <laughs> well, and Roman Hammerlick responds <laughs> to getting traded to the Islanders by saying, this sucks. I'm going to the worst team in the league. <laughs> well, well, this is the tip of the iceberg. We, we've gotten very far afield already. We're right out of the gate. We're already hot. Like, you know, we're going to... <laughs> season and the disaster that it was but let's backtrack a little bit and talk about sort of john van beesbrook uh the goalie before he became an islander and it's funny because you know mike and i always talk on islanders anxiety about the sort of age difference between us and like so for me john van beesbrook becoming an islander was pretty messed up because i remember very vividly him playing for the rangers (laughs) throughout the 80s he was he was the starter. He was he was a yeah. platoon platoon mate with Mike Richter for a yeah. while there. I mean, he was he was a Ranger for like twelve seasons. Yeah, he played a long time, and like you know, obviously they didn't win the cup at that time, but he you know played a ton of games with against the Islanders. And I remember that my I have, a, I have a good friend of mine who's a Rangers fan, and he was always like chanting Beezer, be you know, people pound on the glass and stuff. Like he was a he was a real Rangers hero. He won the Vezina in '86. It was only like his third year in the league. Uh, yep. He was drafted in the fourth round in 81. Remember that because we're going to get to that again when we talk about our second guy tonight. But, yeah, yes. so he's drafted in 81, and by 86, he's already won the Vezina. Uh, and, you know, he was a really good goalie. Like you said, he platooned with Mike Richter and probably Glenn Hanlon and a bunch of other dudes. Um, but by 1993, I, I guess the Rangers were ready to hand the crease over to Mike Richter. And at this point, he Van Beesbrook ends up a Florida Panther. But what I completely forgot until I researched this was that he was sort of laundered through Vancouver. The, the Rangers traded him to Vancouver, eventually getting Doug Lidster in the deal. And then the Canucks exposed Van Beesbrook in the 93 expansion draft, which included the Anaheim, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim and the Florida Panthers. Van Beesbrook goes to Florida. They have 
you know, a pretty normal, you know, first couple of years, although, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a terrible expansion team, but they weren't really good. Uh, and then in 96, of course, they go all the way to the cup final, the rat trick. They they smother teams with this stifling defensive game. And then Van Biesburg was just fantastic. I don't know. He was probably 34 or something at the time. He was really, really good. And uh, they went all the way to the cup final. They got swept by the avalanche. But, I mean, if anybody watched that final, you will definitely never forget it. Uh, he ends up yeah. signing with the Flyers as a free agent about five years later. The Panthers only made the playoffs one more time with Van Biesburg the next year. And then by uh, by 98, he was gone. Played for Philly well, for a also, couple. Also, he kind of hit another level when he went to the Panthers. I mean, he yes. he went from being a sub nine hundred goalie every year, basically, except for ninety one, ninety two. He suddenly goes to the Panthers, and in his first year as a Panther, he puts up a nine twenty four. Yeah, he stood on his head every night for like five years. <laughs> it was insane. And, and that uh, was yeah. that run was the last time they won a playoff round. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, until last, last year. Was, last right. year. So, which so. really thank you, thank you, Alan Quine. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah right. No, I mean, for a long time, John Van Beesbrook was was Florida Panthers history. It's kind of funny, but uh, yes, was, spent- that mask. You like, I, I yes. can picture that mask so vividly. Yeah. Gold yeah. mask. And I remember, I remember how excited I was when like NHL started having that mask mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and I honestly think like that mask wasn't part of what made me a fan, but like, yeah. it definitely helped. Be like, whoa, like. <laughs> guys can wear something like that on their head in this sport right. like that's pretty cool like yeah. i'm into this and uh, i got like into the mighty ducks because of the movies too so mm. i like loved Gigi bear and and his mask and puck i loved korea and team of salani yeah. but um yeah that that mask was was something else i mean his ranger mask too uh was pretty cool too with like the bees flying around uh the, the twin towers and stuff and mm. it was just like it, it, the, the the blue of, of it was really nice so he for for all his faults as, as a human being, and, and, and there are uh, plenty of them, um, his, he was one of the, the best at uh, so, so designing So this is a, a random memory. This is a random memory, too. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I think it was Glenn Healy. Mm-hmm. who of course became a ranger in 93 yes. 94 because of ron hextall and i think he got claimed by anaheim traded to tampa yes. and then traded to the rangers something like that yeah but i, I also <laughs> remember i think it was healy actually because i went to an uh, my uncle took me to an islanders charity auction mm. and that's where i got my pennant with the 92 93 team that's still hanging up in my basement <laughs> And I remember him making a joke that Van Beesburg had the skyline of, of Manhattan on his mask and he should put the skyline of Binghamton on it. Because that was where the Rangers farm team was at the time. That's funny. You hear that, John? That's a burn. Yeah. <laughs> I left out a big portion of the story there, but you're right. Like he played all those games for the Rangers got sent to an expansion team. And then what do the Rangers do? They go on to win the Stanley cup without John yep. Beesbrook and with Mike Richter and Glenn Healy, who had been an Islander for so many years uh, as the tandem. But uh, in any event, so uh, he ends up being a flyer after signing with them uh, as a free agent after his time with the Panthers is done. And after two years, again, two years, if there's ever a weird flyers podcast, I'm sure there'll be a John Van Beesbrook episode, but uh, he ends up getting traded to the fly to the Islanders from the flyers for fourth round pick. That pick to make room for Roman Czechmonic. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Unibrow goalie Roman Czechmonic. Um, Who had but, uh, ten shutouts that year. He was really good. He, he almost won the Vezina. That I remember he was really good. Um, yeah. So that fourth round pick though that the Islanders sent the Flyers eventually was traded to Nashville. Now you guys saw this because I had it on my notes, but I don't know if yep. people realize this. That fourth round pick turned into Jordan Tutu. Who played for a long time with the with the Predators, and uh, I'm not saying Jordan Tutu would have ended up being an Islander, but uh, it's always funny when you see these like deals, these trades happening, and these random picks. And it's like, wait, I've heard of that guy. That was that pick, and it's oh man, come on. Anyway, so uh, 2000, he John Van Beesbrook is an Islander, and it's like, and like I was saying before, I was like, wait, what? This is so weird. Like I don't know. Um, but he was, believe it or not, a very popular Islander. His time with the yeah. Rangers, I don't remember being like a big problem for people. And like you guys said, he was seen as like, wow, this veteran guy is here to help the Islanders. This ownership means business. Now, I, to get some back to something Mike was saying before, like, you know, I think there was a lot of ownership burnout on the hands of Islanders fans between Spano, yeah. you know, going back to John Pickett, Gluckstern thing, like. People were just tired of these saviors. And, you know, the fact that that team didn't get off to a great start just kind of felt like, oh, great. 
Here we go again. Here we go again. Yeah. (laughs) I I remember, I actually remember this really distinctly. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure he doesn't listen, but I'm going to do it anyway. My, 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 that was, I was in 10th grade this season. Right. My Euro history teacher, Mr. Buckley Mm -hmm. at Kellenberg, huge Islander fan. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we were talking about Richard the third, (laughs) <laughs> and we were talking about for want of a nail, the kingdom was lost. Damn it, I am talking about poetry. Look I at was this. Say, we're from poetry to, uh, Shakespeare. I can't. I couldn't even remember this. I remember, if I remember properly, the Islanders had a decent start mm-hmm. in October, and I remember Kenny Janssen. I want to say it was against the Lightning. I remember Kenny Janssen making a blind pass in the neutral zone with about a minute left in the game, minute and a half left in the game. The Lightning tie the game win in overtime and then the Islanders lost like 10 straight. <laughs> I don't like, I have to look at, I have to look at it specifically game by game, but I remember that because I'm, cause I remembered, I remembered asking him if that was an instance of for want of a nail, the kingdom was lost. And, and he agreed with me that it was because we both <laughs> remembered this. We both remember this. Yeah. So the Islanders tied their first game. They lost the next three. And then yes, they were on a six game point streak mm. after that. And then it was November 3rd, 2000, where they lost in overtime to Tampa. And then after that, I'm looking here, there was, there was uh, one win and there are two wins in the next 12 games. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right for that. Two wins in the next 14 games. Excuse me. They went yeah. from, they were five, three, two, and one when they had the overtime loss against the Lightning, and then by the end of November they were seven, twelve, two, and two. <laughs> Another November season's yeah, over kind of moment, yeah. and it just got worse. And I think it's funny because I think part of the optimism for Van Beesbrook again was that just that there was an actual goalie because I think right. we were all worried that that it was just going to be Flaherty and DiPietro in goal, eighteen-year-old <laughs> right. Rick DiPietro in goal. Well, so, all right, so let, let's discuss Rick. That's a good segue to Rick, and Mike brought him up, and he's right. This was kind of like around this time. So, Rick, this was his rookie year. This The, the previous draft, Milbury had been making moves. He traded Luongo. He traded, uh, you know, he got the first-round pick. He got the first overall pick uh, from uh, whoever it was. Uh, Kevin Weeks was somewhere at, yeah, like, in those trades that at was, some yeah, point. He yeah. was traded for the pick that became Rafi Torres. And right, then the yeah. Islanders just won the draft lottery despite having the number five pick. Right. <laughs> so they say the moves were made. Luongo's out. Uh, yeah, Torres is in. Brewer's out. DiPietro is in. Like you said, it was weird because it's like, okay, well, this guy's going to play, but like, when? And the other goalie they had at the time, yeah, was Wade Flaherty. And it's like, okay, so... We've got well. First, Rick went to Bridgeport, if I'm not mistaken, right? Or because I don't think he started. That might have that. been Chicago Wolves that year. Oh, because right. I don't think I don't think. Let me see here. I don't think that it was Bridgeport yet. I think the year after was the first year. Okay, you're right. Because the year after would have been Osgood and Snow. So that so yeah, then, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. But yeah, yeah so Chicago right. Wolves. He played 14 right. games with the Chicago Wolves in right. 2000 2001. But he did eventually end up. With the Islanders and and sharing a crease with 37-year-old John Van Beesbrook, 19-year-old Rick DiPietro, and 37-year-old John Van Beesbrook. And uh, that was sort of his, I guess, first real mentor, I guess, in the NHL. It's kind of weird. I mean, yeah. you, if you look at that that crease and, and, and the four guys that end up playing in it, um, <laughs> it does read like a little bit. It, it, it's, it's weird that Rick went from that and then like, I guess, his last kind of kick at the can legitimate kick at the can when he still maybe had a, a shot at kind of salvaging his career was him with Dwayne Rolison and Marty Biron. Like it's it, when you look at the guys he played with in, on this roster, Be- Beezer, Flaherty and uh, Terreri, like then you look at those guys, you're like, it, it, it kind of came full circle for this guy. He's like, ends up playing with, with similar, like guys at similar parts of their career. Um, in, in, in that regard too, like, and the th- one of the things I just remember about Rick and, and Van Beesbrook was that, th- that I think that narrative was kind of driven home. The one that you just mentioned, Dan, like yeah. the reason, part of the reason that, that Milbury really wanted Van Beesbrook was t- so Rick could learn how to like mm-hmm. be a pro and, and be a goalie in the NHL mm-hmm. from, from, from one of the best. And <laughs> 
Um, I like now, like kind of knowing t- the two of them. And I remember cause they were both American um, mm. and like, you know, t- big team USA guys and whatever. But uh, like now looking back on it and just being like, man, like we, we, we talk uh we talk a lot about how like josh bailey was developed Mm. you think about like just taking an 18 year old who who shouldn't have been the first overall pick who you traded roberto luongo away to make room for (laughs) and you throw this guy right into the the fire on a team that you like look around you mailberry read the room right The, the islanders had been a mess they're you know halfway to kansas city halfway to hamilton and uh, you know, halfway yeah. to hell at this point. Like, and you're going to put this kid in the middle of that to be the the savior rather than just being like, we got, you know, we got Beezer. We got Wade Flaherty here. Uh, maybe we could, we we can just let this guy, you know, play for the Chicago Wolves. And like, maybe that was a plan and, and it, it got thrown off and I'm not remembering it, but I do remember Rick wearing number one. I kind of remember his pads a yeah. little bit. His, his look yeah. wasn't, I think Rick in a way, like ended up maybe trumping uh, mm. Beezer. In, in, in like the, the mask and look department, Rick was always had some slick pads and, and helmet stuff going. But that first year, I remember, wasn't it wasn't it wasn't his best look. But he eventually uh, when he went when he switched from one to thirty nine uh, was when he really came into his own. Yeah. For sure. And and it's funny because he played in Chicago that year and his his mentors down there were a, a Richard, something called a Richard Shulmistra, who okay. I only remember because I met his brother in Hoboken back about 10 years ago. <laughs> OK. Um, at a random happy hour right. and he, he kept saying I wouldn't recognize his brother's name I did <laughs> but, you know the other and the other one was Wendell Young and if I remember properly Wendell Young is the one who said Rick needs two seats on the plane a seat and coach for his body and a seat in first class for his ego <laughs> oh wow ouch Jeez. And like, I'm, I'm almost positive that it was Wendell Young who said that because when he was in Bridgeport the next year, it was Steve Valiquet with him. Valiquet, yeah. Uh, right. Oh, but I, I, I just remember that being Wendell Young and it, it was just so – it was just so funny because – and it's funny, you know, Mike, I hadn't really thought about that because I'm imagining the same idea about Team USA and bringing guys in is why – you know, Garth Snow ends up signed the next year, who they originally thought was going to be Di Pietro's mentor yeah. until Osgood fell in their laps. But <laughs> obviously, we have to finish this season. And another guy who wore the old cage mask before we get there. Right. <laughs> and, and, and real quick, before we touch on him, like sure, of if you actually if you actually look at at the the, the train of this is such vintage Millberry because <laughs> like the thought process looks okay, like okay, Bees, Van Beesbrook and Flaherty, like that's going to be your tandem, Di Pietro mm. and the Miners. You have a decent team in front of them, but he just had to get this guy up because he, you know, whatever, right. like, like you, 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 the plan was there. It's very obvious. Everyone saw it and then you blew it up. So, right. Well, uh, and that's, yeah, that's, that's, sorry, go ahead. As I say, we can, we can definitely bring in the next cage, the cage mask. Well, well I was going to yeah, say but, that like the reason Rick was even drafted was because Milbury couldn't leave, leave, leave well enough alone with Luongo. Like he just well, had to get the American guy first overall, you know. Well, <laughs> it's that it's that combined with. I mean, if you think about it too, because I hadn't I hadn't realized this guys until I until Dan you reminded me who who Hammerlick was traded for. But you're talking about the summer of 2000. You've already traded your two first round picks from '97. Yeah, you true. know that it, it, it's to that point of like it's not that the plan was bad. It's that he couldn't stick to a plan. Right. Right. Yeah. But and then and now now enter Lou Lamorello. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, let's not go too far. Yeah, no, but it's, it's the exact opposite. Well, Snow was the exact opposite too. But, um, but despite all of this upheaval, and despite you know the guy sort of looming behind him and and the team in front of him struggling, uh, Van Beesbrook actually, according to him anyway, enjoyed his time with the Islanders. And and towards the end of the season or towards the trade deadline, said he wanted to stay. He liked what the team was building. He liked uh, what what Mike's plan was. I guess whatever the plan was that week. And believe it or not, I mean, for as bad as they were, Van Beesburg actually led the team in wins that year. He was 10, yeah. 25, and 5. I know 10 wins led the team. But, I mean, when you finish 21, 54, and 7, somebody has 10 wins. They're the all-star of the team, right? Penalty is over. Hoagland's back on. And the pass comes free at center. Two leads breaking. Hoagland and Tucker. Tucker to Hoagland. Stopped by Van Beesburg. Holy mackerel, what a save that was. Now, Perro, shooting it wide. Rebound is tipped wide by Van Beesbro. 
sweep in front. Off the skate it goes, and Krog will get it out. Oh, my. A two on nothing. And the Leafs couldn't convert it. Tucker shoots it into the Islanders' zone. Don Van Biesburg proved, Joe, that it was not a two on nothing. Yes, you're right. <laughs> DiPietro went 3-15-1, and one. Wade Flaherty, who was the backup. He was a very, very nice guy, by the way. I talked to him a lot when I was an intern. Uh, went 6-10-0, and 0, which is, I guess, not terrible when you're a backup, but he was not solving anybody's goaltending problems. But, uh, but yeah, Beezer, he enjoyed his time with the Islanders, and it was kind of surprising that he wanted to stay. I mean, I guess he was, at this point, he was how old? He was uh, 37. 37. You know, yeah, didn't want to move too far. You know, kind of, I'm probably looking to, you know, retire at some point. But... As we just finished saying, you can't trust Mike Milbury. And so saying you want to stay is just about as good as saying, trade me right now, because you know what's going to happen next. And sure enough, at the deadline, Mike Milbury gets a call or at least you know get, makes a phone call with Lou Lamorello, who was running the Devils back then, and makes a trade. And he trades for Chris Terreri. <laughs> and he trades uh, a ninth round pick. Uh, in 2021 that turned out oh, 2001, excuse me, 2001 that turned out to be Yuha Pekka Ketela, whoever that is, uh, uh, for Van Beesbrook. So, uh, yeah, sorry. It was Terreri and the ninth round pick for Van Beesbrook. And this was a huge deal because the devils were very, very, very good that year. In fact, they would go on to lose the Stanley cup final to the avalanche. Also funny because Van Beesbrook, it was kind of spun at the time, and I think even Milbury might have said it as trying to get Van Beesbrook his cup. Yeah, but the it was problem along is those lines, yeah. he lost the cup to the ultimate old guy without a cup, Ray Bork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, so this was you know people focused on Van Beesbrook going to be Marty Brodeur's backup. There are some choice quotes, by the way. If, when I post this up, you got to read these. This article, the one in the post by Mark Everson is great because it's like some vintage Lamorell. He's like, John knows what his role is here. It's to back up Marty. Uh, and Chris has been somewhat erratic this year. It's not a knock. It's just the truth. So that's the Lamorello <laughs> right there. Uh, and, you know, Terreri was bad that year. Don't make no mistake. But this guy, I mean, he was a career devil. So now we're going yeah. to the Chris Terreri file. He was drafted in the fifth. It's funny that he was drafted in 83, Van Beesbrook in 81. But yet by 86, Van Beesbrook had won the Vezina and Terreri was still like in Albany, like or Utica, wherever the Devils farm He just graduated Providence College. Right, right, yeah. He was at Providence where he was coached by Lou Lamorello. But it took him a while to finally get up to the Devils. He eventually got to be the starter. But then, oh, some 19-year-old kid from Montreal is here and Terreri became Marty Bordeaux's backup. And he was a pretty good backup for that, for that matter and won the Cup in 95 with them. And then uh, was traded to San Jose a couple years later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, like Van Beesbrook, he was also laundered through an expansion draft. This time he got drafted by Montreal. Oh, sorry. He spent a couple of years with the De- with the Blackhawks, which I totally forgot. And but, the Sharks. Uh, and the, well, yeah, the Sharks, I remember. And then he got traded to the Blackhawks. And then in 2000, he got, traded, he got drafted by Minnesota in the expansion draft. Then was traded back to New Jersey for Devils legend Brad Bombardier, who ended up back, who ended up playing for Minnesota. I remember Brad Bombardier playing for Minnesota because it seemed like they were drafting all like the Minnesota guys, and he was one of them. So there you go. He also has yep. an awesome name. Uh, and then, so that's how Terry left the Devils and then came back. And now here he is leaving again. So this guy was essentially like a Devils stalwart in two separate stints. And here he was getting jettisoned to the worst team in the league. At least it was close by uh, because he just, he, the, GM didn't trust him basically uh, to, to back up Brodeur in the playoffs. So, I mean, Nick, do you have any like specific memories of Terreri playing for the, the Islanders? I mean, I remember, I this. remember him. I remember deal. him with the blue, with the blue cage mask and his mm-hmm. devil's pads. Yeah. Yes. I remember that. And I also love that he's now a coach with the Islanders again. (laughs) But yeah, I'm looking at a picture now of him. He's making a save on who looks like Magnus Arvidsson. Mm. And he still has his devil's pads on. He still has his devil's equipment with a, with an Islanders cage. And he actually wasn't bad. I mean, they were all garbage time, but there, the other (laughs) thing I, there's only one other thing I remember about that team, but Mike, I'm sorry. I ran right through you there. No, I was just going to say it's, it's, it's a beautiful kind of symmetry that Terreri comes over um, in in a a trade that he probably didn't want to be a part of, and no. 
um, wears the cage mask and his old team's gear. And then another guy, like another, you know, Def Osgood is, of course, in a different level of, of player than Terreri. Um, but, you know, another like old timer comes over and, and does the same exact thing, like not too long later. It's just like <laughs> it, it comes over and by a very weird way of acquisition, the waiver draft, which I'm pretty sure Chris Osgood like probably got deleted from the nhl <laughs> because he's like please don't let anybody ever have to go through that what i just went through um but uh yeah like it's it, it's it's just so funny that you look at terrari um uh, and then you see him in, in the end that was those black and red devil's pads and then you think man you know six months later because this as we've kind of been talking about with this episode like this team uh the the bones were there for for something exciting and and the culture of losing kind of was was what ended up defeating the, this this roster but that that uh culture of losing became a culture of winning not too long later uh and of course yeah that's you know yashin and, and pekka coming over and uh adrian O'Coin. like like this this was this team uh very very quickly like the fact that it only took and and only took like those are big obviously with big <laughs> trades but like the fact that like just sprinkling in a few few more guys to this roster shows you just how bad of a job <laughs> like which, which Goring and, and Lauren Henning were doing with this team yeah, and really I mean, set it up yeah and Butchie got Butchie got kicked to the curb I think with about 15 17 games yes. left in the season and then Lauren Henning took over again and it was just this it was a fresh start and I remember, I mean, we were all really excited when Butchie got hired because yes. he's been a good coach for the Utah Grizzlies. He, of course, had that connection to the Islanders. Everybody thought that would be great. But I think the other thing I remember about this team, and this is just the weird stuff that sticks with me. I don't know why. Do you guys remember what Gary Galley did with this team? Because I know Gary Galley was signed like pretty late in the year, which is pretty late in the offseason, which is strange because mm. – he was a he was a pretty good player. He even had a good season despite being out of the league after this. Mm. It was Terreri was out of the league after this. Gary Galley was out of the league. I guess <laughs> they were all like, I can't do this anymore. But I remember distinctly Gary Galley had this thing at the end of the year where he was challenging the team to get wins. Mm. And it was for every point that the team earned, they would pick someone to get their hair dyed blonde. <laughs> and Di Pietro got picked. So there oh, are pictures guess. somewhere of blonde Di Pietro wow. at the end of this season because Gary Galley decided to bleach his hair in like, <laughs> I, I don't know, maybe he was a, as big an Everclear fan as I was back in the day. <laughs> but, wow. you know, it was that time everybody was bleaching their hair. And he he had that whole thing where every time they got a point or two points, they'd pick one or two players and have them go blonde too. I, I do not remember this. I remember putting Gary Galley on my list of weird Islanders. I have him on a list of possible weird Islanders guests. And you could bet your ass that I'm going to ask him about this if we ever get him on. Because I think he does like Canadians uh, TV or something like that. But I have absolutely no recollection of that whatsoever. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, that picture would be great to, to come across <laughs> of Rick. Because you can, you, as you know, as handsome as Rick Rick is and was, like in that, and his hair, like right. you, you kind of look at it and you're like, oh man, like he, He's probably the type of guy it's in during that era who was like, you know, I think I could really pull off the frosted tips look or like the blonde look, uh, but I, I just don't want to do it because I don't want to get razzed. And then when he got picked, he was probably like, oh, no, come on, guys. But he really, really yes. wanted it. Really, really wanted it. <laughs> oh, no, don't pick me. Yeah. Right. But <laughs> darn. It's funny because uh, I found a clip of Terrari playing actually in, in a whole game of Terrari playing with the Islanders. So if you. Don't think this actually happened. There's video evidence of this. And uh, Joe and Howie go into a whole diatribe about how uh, integral in the locker room Terreri made himself very quickly. He's spun around, dumped by Morozov. Yarner to Morozov, a bad save by Terreri. And another good, solid save by Chris Terreri. Ardina with a drive, and there's another one. Steered to the corner by Terreri. Morozov, three Yarner's legs. 12 minutes left in the third. Four to one Islander. Terreri's been good, hasn't he? Solid. Very, very good in this game. Two good saves there. He's made two tremendous saves on Martin Straka. One in the second period, which I think is the best one he's made all night, and then one here in the third. Well, he's been good. The shot's 25 to 22 for Pittsburgh. Lou 
Amarillo does try to re-sign Terreri. Does Terreri say, okay, but I've got to play more than 10 games next year? Well, 10 games over two years. <laughs> <laughs> it's been about that, huh? McCall fires one all the way down. Yeah, but Chris Terreri, you know, understands the situation. He's never ever moaned or complained about his ice time. He and he and Marty Brodeur had an excellent working relationship. Tremendous. Then he comes here after leaving a team that had a chance to win a third Stanley Cup. And he turns out to be one of the more bubbly, uplifting guys oh, in the yeah. Islander room. I mean, he's had a lot to do with the attitude of this team in the, in the final three weeks of the season. He picked them up. He sure did. He's the one who recognized it immediately that this, you know, that this team was moaning and groaning and feeling sorry for themselves. And he said, "Hey, it's time to change. Pick the head up. Let's have a little fun. We got to play this game. We got to play it out. Let's play hard. Let's try and have some fun while we do it." And that was early on. That was before many players knew him. He stood up in the locker room and made his presence felt right away. Not to mention that he's a, he's a very very likable person. No air about him, nothing pretentious. No. And if anybody had reason to be depressed going from a team that's got a chance to win the win the Stanley Cup again to a team that's not going to play in the playoffs, that's that's one reason. And another good save by Terreri, who came out to meet the shot of Andrew Ferris. 10-02, meaning of the third period. Terreri and the Islanders with a four-to-one lead. You know, he came there and the team was all kind of down in the dumps, like, well, you know, another lost season, whatever. What are we doing here? And he was like, hey, let's let's have some pride at you know, the end of the season. And we're not going anywhere. But like, that doesn't mean we have to, like, kind of mope through it. And uh, that's pretty impressive. Like, I didn't <laughs> think that he would do that because, like you said, Nick, I mean, after this season, he was done. Like, he was out of the league. And, uh, you know, probably you'd think that he would just be like kind of going through the motions to get it over with, especially while his former team and his friends are going to the freaking Stanley Cup final. Uh, but no, Chris Terreri is not like that. So how about that? <laughs> he he kind of reminds wonder... me of the, the, the Dean McAmmon, how Dean McAmmon was just thrown in in that Campoli yep. trade. Yeah. And like the Senators were going to the playoffs. And I don't know why Dean McAmmon had to be included in that trade. It was like he, he just played out the <laughs> string of that season and the Islanders were right. so bad. And I'm like, man, the whole time I'm just like, you know, I feel really bad for Dean McAmmon. Like this poor yeah. guy is going to go watch this, his, his Senators you know, challenge for an Eastern conference. And, and he's here because we had to trade Chris Campoli for a first round pick. And for some reason we had to also take him. Right. That's funny. Yeah. It's just, it's just really funny. I mean, you wonder if you wonder if Van Beesbrook and Terreri helped, helped set the stage a little bit, because obviously mm. the next, next year's team had Yashin, it had Pekka, yeah. it had Osgood and snow. But aside from that, I don't, remember i actually think one of the other interesting things about this team is wasn't this the year that milbury traded like a fifth round pick for jason blake yeah i think this was blake's first year because and, and he wasn't that right he came from la right yes yeah he came from yeah, la and, and 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 i remember he he just didn't i he he looked so small <laughs> and he i mean he was small but like and he yeah 30 games four goals eight assists for for blake so didn't really set the world on fire but um, yeah, like th this, this team was that, um, that team was like, it was simmering underneath the surface. Cause like you, you look at I me, mean, Parrish, Johnson, Claude LaPointe, his visitor, mm. Blake, uh, you know, you can even go to like Matt Lindgren, Cairns, uh, yep. these, these are, these are guys who, uh, Steve Webb, like who end up just being kind of the heartbeat of that team. I mean, Dave Scatchard, I think finished, let's say third on this team in points. So yeah, yeah, um, he, it was really his breakout. Yeah. Sure. And then, because and, and then you yeah like the, you just look at the the next roster and it's like a lot of these guys are still around, and you can kind of see like the the kind of natural progression of the team was, of course you know locking into Osgood, bringing in Pekka, and and Yashin in those trades, uh, of course going after Dick Tarnstrom, uh, <laughs> to, to but uh, but like you you. you it, like the team, it makes sense. Like you, you look at that team, mm. and then you look at the next year, and you go from twenty-one wins, fifty-two <laughs> points, to forty-two wins and ninety-six points, and yeah. one of the the most impressive starts to a season yeah. you'll just you, you can ever see. Like eleven, one, one, and one, but like it was the way that this team kind of just came out of the gates flying. Yeah. Uh, 
under Laviolette. You're I was going to say ah. the, the one guy you left off there was Laviolette, yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. who, who came in to coach. But yeah, it, it is funny how they the like you said the pieces are there, uh, but they just needed some guys at the top, and those guys were Michael Pekka. Alexei Yashin, and then a guy at the bottom too, named Chris Osgood, and Garth Snow too, for that matter. Uh, before yeah. we uh, we start to kind of you know kind of look at the the damage settled, I did have a quick Chris Terreri story that has nothing to do with the Islanders or really Chris Terreri at all. But I have a friend who went to the University of Rhode Island, and so I went to visit her one time, and I stopped for a cup of coffee at a Dunkin' Donuts. I think it was a Dunkin' Donuts, or was it a Wendy's? I forget now. And uh, I'm waiting online to pay. And there's a whole bunch of pictures of Chris Terreri around. And I'm like, why are pictures of Chris Terreri here? I, th- I thought he went to Providence. Well, whatever. Anyway. So I just thought it was kind of a weird thing. I guess he was like a Rhode Island guy. I didn't think much of it. That a couple of summers later or a year later, I'm an intern for Stan Fischler. And I mentioned like, oh, yeah, I was in Rhode Island and I was at this fast food place and I saw these pictures of Chris Terreri. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, he owns that. I'm like, what? He goes, oh, yeah, he owns a whole bunch of like, I don't know, McDonald's, Wendy's, Dunkin' Donuts, something like that. I'm like, he's like, yeah, he owns like three of them. I'm like, you're kidding me. He's like, no. I'm like, oh, I wish I had spent more time there, I guess. I could have run into him. But anyway, so there you go. Chris Terreri, I guess, had his eye on business back then and wanted to get some. (laughs) Speaking of weird Islanders and just like randomly, there's there's a deli on Long Island. So this one makes more sense. But like that that, that has a Sven Butenshan jersey hanging up behind the counter. Wow. Yeah, and and oh my god, I, I think it's somewhere in the middle of the island, like you know, like in that like yeah. Massapequa to Amityville era area. But like, yeah, I just I remember walking in, seeing it, kind of doing that cartoonish, right, blinking of the eyes and <laughs> slapping my face, trying to make sure I wasn't like oh, dead or right. You know, that is very strange. If all of a sudden, if you see Sven Butenshan like serving you a sandwich, you're like, oh shit, like I'm I'm dead, like I'm it, this is you know I'm I'm. I'm going, I'm in heaven. Listeners, uh, but we are calling to you. If you know yeah. of this deli, please tell us what it is. Cause we want to know what deli has the Sven Booten John Jersey hanging up behind the counter. I, I want to say I've, I've, I've tweeted about it too. So I might be able to find it, but yeah, yeah it's it. I, there's, there's nothing better than that. I mean, that's awesome. Wow. I, I would love to, I would love to, 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 we should go, go visit, you know, that, that Terrari. His, his <laughs> oh, fast food. Let's see if it's, it's still, still up there. Anymore. I would love but, to see this. Yeah, I know. When he said that, I so was like, funny. Well, "How about that?" And, yeah. and it's funny too because these guys were also. I know we're talking about this before we started recording. These guys, you know, Van Beesburg listed at five eight. Right. Terraria listed at five nine. <laughs> these guys were also really some of the last of that short goalie era. Yes. You, you you had Manny Legacy play in the league for a little while after you have UC Soros now, but. It's also it just also feels so anachronistic to kind of think back and be like these these five eight and five nine guys played goal. <laughs> I like to I like to call that that grouping of short goalies brothers of Pang. That's what we like to call them. Yes. they're all they're all cut from that Darren the Saint the Saint Darren of Pang uh, school of uh, goaltending. But uh, but yeah, they they were definitely all you know kind of a they were. It's it's funny how like I don't know if these two guys ever really thought of themselves as being. That's similar, but when you look at their Islanders tenures, they both are basically the same guy. But obviously, they had different careers <laughs> outside of the yes. Islanders. You know, one guy won a cup. You know, actually, I forgot that that trade where Terreri got sent from the uh, San Jose Sharks to the Chicago Blackhawks was for Ed Belfour. So, like, you know, one guy's got traded uh, for Ed Belfour and then got picked up by expansion, then back again, won the cup. The other guy won a Vezina took an expansion team to the cup final, basically. So, like, they've had these incredible careers. But to us, to the Islander fan, these are two guys that you look at and are like, wait, what? He played for the Islander? Oh, right. Yeah, that's weird. So it's just kind of funny how, you know, if you look at it from a certain perspective, these guys boil down to being the same guy, basically. Yeah, and it's also funny how, it's also funny how, again, just emblematic of that era, Van Beesbrook stayed with the Devils the next year. Yeah, yeah. And he played... Five games because Brodor played seventy three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was as he was wont to do. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you had five games from Van Beesburg, six games from something called Jean Francois Damfus. Oh yeah, and then two games, <laughs> yeah, and then two games from Scott Clemenson, better known oh, as yeah. the opposing wow. goalie in the Dublowitz game. Oh my god, 
Scott yeah, Clemenson goes yeah. back that far? Holy smokes. Wow. Yeah, I think that was his that was his NHL debut, it looks like, wow. after he came out of uh, Newton University. I'm sorry, yeah. Boston College. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just it's just funny how it was just it, it was just so so of that era that yeah. having guys who were short Guys who, you know, Van Beesburg playing a full season, five games as a backup. These are just, this is just the best gig in the world. Yeah, absolutely. That was the best gig in the world. And I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously he came so close and, and he was, you know, again, he was the runner up in the old guy without a cup rankings that year. Yeah. In addition to everything else, because yeah. like but, everyone wanted Bork to get his cup that year. And once again, he retired and then missed out on the cup. One Devils won the cup. Yeah, in two thousand three. Yep, and he so wasn't there. <laughs> he, it's it's a it's it's a career of near misses. It seems like for Van yeah. Beesbrook, where he, he you know the the Panthers couldn't quite get there. Mm. He leaves the Rangers right before the season that we all wish never happened. <laughs> he retires right before the Devils win another cup, yeah. and he's with the Islanders the year before they turn it around. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It, it, it's so funny too. Like I think about the Islanders goaltending and once again, this is because of Rick. Like mm. I don't think of the Islanders as having like, as, as like a team of weird goal, like goalies that could never figure out. And then that's completely false. Like mm. starting with these guys really. Um, Cause like he, he, they tried with Fischot didn't work out. Like they had Sallow for a couple of years and um but then, like starting with Van Beesbrook and uh, Terreri and, and Flaherty, I guess, and then you go to Osgood and Snow. Like they just started to become the team that attracted, you know, past their salad days names, <laughs> like guys who who were just like guys. And you know, there's that like meme about like, you know, there there are dudes out there who can just sit in the basement and, and just say names of like random hockey players, and that's right. like a great fun time for them. And like the Islanders goaltending carousel from during from from the time that they had and you think about the fact that they had roberto luongo and rick DiPietro at this time it's at different points at this time too like it shouldn't have been because one was signed to a 15-year contract the other is going to be a hall of famer but uh but that that, the carousel of just guys that came in and out of those doors from you know from from van beesbrook to to osgood to Nabokov, to Rolison, like Rolison, it's just yeah. Marty Baron, yeah, like I mean, you go to Halak, and like it's just yeah. these. They ended up just getting these kind of, you know, guys. Like it, it, yeah. it's, it's truly astounding, and and hopefully, like you know, we just that that stops. We're done. Like, yeah, I mean, you can even throw Varlamov in there too. Like you know, he's yeah. he's definitely like a guy who who who's just a guy. Right, and, yeah. and then, and then, I mean, yeah, and Milbury had that pension even for just making trades for the sake of them for random position players. I mean, one of one of the things that I almost forgot until I was looking up this team again is that uh, Cup winning coach Craig Berube played thirty eight games. Oh for yeah. The Islanders this oh, season. don't worry, he's on the list. He's getting his episode. Don't worry. Because <laughs> that is, I, yeah. I remember nothing of him as an Islander. He did, he did nothing. I don't want that episode. It's just, <laughs> it's just amazing to see you know, all these these guys yeah. and i mean you know even again uri kolnick who they kept mm. claiming was who they kept claiming was the next big thing i mean i think we talked about that dan mm. yeah. where they drafted some guy out of kazakhstan named dimitri uper and they were like from the people who brought you uri kolnick yes yeah. that was a lot more accurate than you thought it was yeah uh i remember craig baruby playing for the <laughs> islanders because he was on the same team with gino ojic and they were both nicknamed the chief and so uh, it was like, well, we, we can't have two chiefs. Oh no, two oh, chiefs. Yeah, or I think well, was Rich Pilon on one of those teams, and it, who was also Kruger, nicknamed Kruger runs a tight ship. We can't have that. Yeah, so uh, it was uh, it was a weird kind of standoff thing about who was going to be the true chief, but none of them were around that long. Again, Rich Pilon too was was the chief. Pilon, I think he I may have been was the sheriff. No, he was the chief. He might have been. Oh. He might have been both. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. I remember. I remember him called the sheriff with those. Yeah. Do you remember those weird beatnik ads that they oh. that they did in the late nineties where it's like, I have seen the men make music and they're playing wooden sticks. Oh my god, no. Nobody no, remembers no. this. I That's swear this existed. It, it it they had one for Pilon and they called him the sheriff. So I could I could just be thinking of that. He might have been so tough that they just he could have as many nicknames as he wanted to, because nobody wanted to mess with him, you know. This is probably a good time to mention what we had been talking about throughout the episode about John Van Beesbrook. So 
after he retired, uh, he went into management and coaching of junior teams. And there was an incident with Trevor Daly, who was one of his players, and uh, Van Beesbrook used a, a racial slur against him and uh, ended up losing his job. There's a, a story at The Athletic that uh, I'll post about this that covers it all very well. It's by Scott Burnside. And, uh, you know, it's never really been fully resolved. Uh, Van Beesbrook has never really apologized to Trevor Daly for it. Uh, you know, Daly went on to have a, a great NHL career, won a cup with the Penguins, played a long time. Uh, and so Van Beesbrook sort of, you know, disappeared into the shadows until recently when he was named uh, the GM of Team USA uh, for the World Juniors and, and Olympics and stuff like that. So, yes. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of other people that could have had that job, and you give it to the guy who's got this sort of hanging over them. Uh, it's, I mean, you know, to me, it's Chris, not Chris Terreri and Garth Snow were less problematic. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, I mean, it again, it's an ongoing thing. Whenever Team USA does something, you know, it's it's always like, yeah, but you know, your GM did this. Uh, obviously, Hockey Canada's uh, had its own sorts of problems, so it's um, you know, not a really great sort of time right now to be in these sort of national team environments. No, I mean, it's, there really needs to be, there needs to be some kind of cleaning up of the culture. Cause it's just, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't send a good message. And I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear that hockey Canada is, is still struggling with this. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, USA hockey definitely with an own goal on this one. And, yeah. you know, I, I definitely, I feel I feel very strange because I keep having these weird memories connected to players who are either problematic or the circumstances were problematic because I also believe, you know, we did Nemchinov. We had we had selected him before the war started. So we of course had to mention that. But yeah, it's 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 really unfortunate that Van Beesbrook has done what he's done afterwards. It's right. And it was it was very weird to see him in Islander colors, and it's it's very just very interesting that he always seems to be he always seems to be almost like the good luck Chuck of the NHL on some level <laughs> is that he always he always leaves a situation right before it gets better, right? Yeah, yeah, or right before or right before you know in the Islanders' case the the, the positive changing of the culture, right. and both the Devils and the Rangers he leaves right before a cup. It's pretty crazy. Both of these guys swung through the Islanders very briefly, and here we are remembering them uh, in very strange ways. And okay. the other interesting thing, again, I mean, we talk about boomeranging, is that is that he Terry boomeranged back to the Islanders as well, and that he's been yeah. the goalie coach in Bridgeport since 2017. Yeah. Well, I wonder. I wonder why. Oh, wait. Hold on. Lou Lamorello is the general manager. So I guess I think I figured it out. <laughs> we really, we have to do some detective work there, Dan. I think so. Oh, which reminds me, we forgot Mike Dunham on that list of crazy goalies. Uh, right. Like just, that, yeah. The revolving door. Yeah. Dunham who, you know, opened the door for Dublowitz because he was just randomly cooked at the end of 2007. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was just terrible. Yeah, uh, Dunham, man. Yeah. yeah. He, he had a, he, he won his first game. Uh, his first, the Islanders' first game that season, and he was wearing just all white pads because he was a late addition to that roster, yeah. if I remember correctly. And uh, yeah, you know, just a friend of Garth Snow, and Garth was like, "Hey, by the way, you won't <laughs> believe this, but I'm the general manager of this team now." <laughs> Man, oh god, Garth yeah. needs to write a book. I mean, you know what? You know what? If nothing else, though, can we all be grateful that John Van Beesbrook didn't end up the GM? That yeah, is also true. very that's true. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah. We were great... we, we might have been we might have been yeah. a couple of different uh, wrinkles in the simulation from that happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and there you go. Well, I think that's a great way to wrap it up <laughs> this <laughs> this hour long discussion of strange goalies in Islanders history. Uh, Nick, this has been great. Uh, really appreciate you coming on again with us. Uh, I mean, a lot of tell, fun. yeah, yeah, it was always a lot of fun. Uh, tell everybody again what your Twitter handle is so uh, they can follow you there. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, bu Islander, and uh, I I I, I kind of go back and forth on the tweeting, but uh, really uh, always welcome anybody's uh, anybody's feedback there. Yeah, so follow Nick uh, at bu Islander, and uh, again, he was the uh, the man behind the great Let There Be Lighthouse blog, which you can still read if uh, you do some uh, googling. And if you want to go through back through another weird period of Islanders history, Jeez. well, he's the man to look for. <laughs> uh, Mike, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. 
Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski, of course. Read his work at Action Network. Listen to his Action Network podcast. The man is everywhere. And uh, we will be back again with another episode of We Are Islanders very shortly. Uh, thank you for very much for listening. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day. And until uh, we talk to you next time, keep the Islanders weird. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.